Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Forward Thinking Podcast. It's Chrissy here from CS2. Today on the podcast, I have two special guests, and we're going to be talking about is decentralized campaign ops model right for your org? So on today's podcast, we have Amy Goldbein, who's the head of marketing ops at Iterable, and Geraldine Gudinho-Garcia, who's the marketing operations manager at Iterable. And both of them are going to share their experience of building out a decentralized campaign ops model and if that's working as they scale and grow and and just talk through what it's like to actually train and enable the team and just the ins and outs. This comes up a lot um, across our clients and I know in the MOP space. So I'm super excited and I'm super excited to have both of you on. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, um, Amy, I'll introduce you, but you know, I already said you're the head of marketing ops at Iterable. You've been there three years. Um, Iterable, which I feel like I, I, I came to my world, I would say like about two or three years ago, I think I got an email from Tesla or something. And I was like, wow, this is such a slick experience of like when I got it, it actually like, uh, Per, I always joke around is like the best attribution because uh, I was I was looking for a car that was safe for moms and I got an email about how it's the safest car in the market. I messaged my husband. I'm like, we're getting this car. And then I responded back to it. This email per- <laughs> influenced my purchase decision. <laughs> um, so that was when I first found out about Iterable. But for those of you who don't know Iterable, it's the powerful communication platform that helps brands activate their customers and create joyful experiences at scale. Um, but Amy has a rich experience in marketing ops. She is a Marketo champion, longtime champion, and then also founder of marketingopsadvice.com, which is a site for marketing ops practitioners to get advice on their career, as well as like technical and strategic topics, which I love. I also think I'm jealous that you got that domain, Amy. It's a good domain, isn't it? I bought a few and then was kind of like trying to figure out which one. And then all my friends said that was the one to go with. So here we are. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so Amy had the idea to bring on Geraldine to the podcast, who plays a big role in uh, the campaign operations at Iterable. Uh, she's been the marketing operations at Iterable, uh, marketing operations manager at Iterable for one year. I'm super excited to have you on as well, Geraldine, to share all of your learnings and how things are uh, going with the decentralized model. So thanks for joining, Geraldine. Thank you for having me join you both today actually awesome <laughs> yeah I, I i feel like i'm super stoked i've had a few kind of powerhouse like women guests like a few of them on like last week i had two guests and uh so i'm just i, I just love it i don't know <laughs> so keep the you know women uh you know power going which um can feel sometimes like we're all in like a super secret world uh, in a kind of a male dominated space, but now women are shining, which is awesome. So um, anywho, I think both of you have listened to the podcast, but know that we like starting off with a little bit about how our guests got into mops because a lot of folks like fall into the roles. So um, to start, I'll let you kick it off, Geraldine. Yeah, thank you. Um, I started my career marketing mops right at the beginning. Um, thinking that I would actually transition into a traditional marketing role. I really was shocked at how much I liked operations and continued on this path. At my first company, I, I was actually in a centralized campaign ops model. 
I owned all the building for our marketing team. Was not my favorite part, but it was great experience at really understanding and learning um, the overall sense of campaign operations and the importance. At the second company I worked for, it was more a centralized campaign ops model, but I actually moved it into a decentralized campaign ops model. Maybe not my, smart, my smartest move, but it was definitely a very interesting uh, topic to, to have. And now at Iterable, we have a decentralized uh, campaign ops model. Awesome. And what about you, Amy? A little bit of your kind of origin story. Yeah. So, you know, I think everybody comes into marketing ops in a different way. I remember listening to Jessica Myers. What was she like an anthropology, archaeology major? <laughs> yeah. um, not, not quite that weird. I do have some um, background in, in business and marketing from school, but um, I did start my career out in nonprofits and I'm probably the only person you'll talk to who worked at a blood bank and I did <laughs> promotions in PR. Um, I like to say I was a professional vampire and um it was a very analog job. I mean, I, you know, I used a computer, but it was a lot of like printed materials and telemarketing and, you know, pounding the pavement to, to get blood donors. But the thing I always think about when I talk to people in ops is that they had like an ops mentality even before they knew what ops was. So mm. when I came in, things were really chaotic. Different people were like ordering promotional supplies. We didn't have a clear calendar. There wasn't a lot of processes. And I brought a lot of like process and organization and focus and quarterly meetings and shared calendars and documentation and all of that, um, you know, to to, you know, a job where I still, you know, I don't think I even knew what marketing ops was. I didn't know that's where I was going to land. But so, you know, started in nonprofits um, about 10 years ago, I moved back to the Bay Area, which is where I'm from. And I knew I wanted to get into tech and wanted to do some kind of marketing within tech. And I started working at a small startup and I was a real marketing generalist, you know, um, webinars, um, you know, list uploads for events, um, email marketing doing some customer marketing and PS scores, um, you know, got to dabble in a lot of different things at a small company. And then we got Marketo, our, you know, uh, head of marketing was like, we, we need this. And I'd like you to be the main point of contact. So I worked mm. with Marketo professional services to get it implemented, which was really a great way to really understand how things are set up. And like, it was a true light bulb moment for me. And I really was like, oh, I can see how much faster this can help me, you know, execute my campaigns compared to what we were doing before. I could see how powerful it was. And I was at the very like tip of the Marketo iceberg, but I just fell in love with it, fell in love with the community and the message boards and the mugs. And then I um, found a job, a full-time marketing ops role with centralized campaign ops. For most of that time, I was marketing ops team of one. So I was doing platform ops and campaign ops. Um, and then I knew when I wanted my next job that I did not want to do campaign ops. Um, the secret is I am really good at it, but I really hate doing it myself. So I wanted somewhere that was like a real firewall between, um, my role and campaign ops. Um, and at Iterable, we are, we have rev ops and I came into decentralized model, which was new for me, but you know, so it was an exciting thing to learn. Um, but also ensured that I would not get stuck. I don't. I don't ever want to set up an ever, another webinar ever again. <laughs> so, um, just does not spark joy for me. It's really important, but um, you know, I wanted wanted kind of that um, that that clear line. Totally. I think sometimes it's like for it. It's a campaign ops is something that people can get like really into and love and yeah. do the ins and outs and 
of it. And then for some folks, they're like, okay, I've had enough of that. Like, I'm going to move on and focus on some of these other projects and focus more on like data or process or life cycle. Um, I was very much like that in my career. I very quickly would always try and build teams to do campaign ops around me or like build a decentralized model. And I think that that was fun. But, you know, everyone kind of can figure out like where, you know, what sparks joy, like you said, for them. And and, and sometimes it's both. Uh, yeah. But it is really hard to kind of manage doing both. Like you said, as a team of one, it can it can make you pretty burnt out on it, I think. So yeah, I have friends um, that still love that, like love doing both, love setting up campaigns, love doing emails, love, you know, dabbling in everything. It just was, uh, was not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So I want to talk about, um, also kind of how you both work together. Um, maybe also about how you both met first and then talk about your team structure. So maybe Geraldine, you can, uh, first kick it off with how you both met. Yeah, so I love this story. Um, just a little over a year ago, I actually did not know Amy. Um, I had read some of her blog posts uh, on the Marketo Nation, was really a big fan, but had not ever really met her. But I did attend a Mobs talk on why marketing ops professionals were quitting. And at that time, I wasn't necessarily looking, but I really resonated with Amy. I thought her advice on how to, on what to look for a manager was super important on what she was looking for in a potential hire. She mentioned that she was hiring and I decided I'm just gonna apply. Best case scenario, I will be, I will meet Amy. Uh, we will potentially build a mentor slash mentee relationship and it would be great. Um, but when I interviewed and uh, I met Amy for the first time, it was an instant hit. I knew I would have to really make a hard decision on whether or not to stay on my current uh, employee at that uh, employer at that time, or to move to Edible. But at the end of the day, I just knew I would regret not joining uh, the team, especially with a manager like Amy. And it's been a year. It's been incredible, and I do not regret uh, joining the team. And I will say that um, same thing. It was definitely. Um, you know, employer, employee love at first sight, like uh, the first conversation with Geraldine, I was like, oh yeah, we need to hire this person. And like my sales ops manager, who's not, was not like a particularly effusive person was like, uh, I will be shocked if we do not hire her. And so here we are a year later. That's awesome. I love that it also uh, bridged or summed from an event as well. Like I, I think for a lot of marketing ops folks that are just like kind of thinking of all the benefits of um, putting yourself out there and your expertise and content and signing up for events, which can feel daunting, like, oh, we're so busy. Well, you know, how do I fit all these extra things in? But it can have some of those added benefits of building out your network and, you know, maybe attracting people and talent, uh, which is hard in MOPS. So being able to find someone organically like that with both of you is like very serendipitous, but also just, you know, a, a kind of a, a good sign, Amy, that like you were, you know, you were there, you were talking about what, you know, what it's like for you managing what you're looking for and, um, and actually took that time. So yeah, definitely. I think that's just a great learning experience for people who are thinking, well, why, why should I even do 
put myself out there, do some speaking engagements or, you know, share my content, it could really have some benefits you're not really thinking of. Absolutely. All right. So I want to talk about your current team structure um, because I know you, Amy, you're on the RevOps team. So um, for everyone can kind of get up to speed, talk about your, uh, your team, the setup and like how Geraldine yourself, like all fit together and supporting the campaign operations and to build out the decentralized model. Yeah. So like you mentioned, we are on a RevOps team. So I run marketing ops. I have two direct reports and an agency. Um, Before Geraldine started, I did own the campaign ops enablement, but since she started, that has been her domain. Um, And the way we sort of split my two direct reports is Geraldine handles pre-sales marketing ops and Jeanette supports customer marketing. Um, Hmm. And then we also have two agencies that support us as well. Um, and maybe Geraldine, do you want to kind of talk about our, you know, how we support the the decentralized execution? Yeah, of course. So our marketing team is building and executing their own campaigns, which can be a little scary uh, to have that much uh, big team with so many builders in our systems. Um, but we do ensure. How many marketers is it? Um, I don't remember amy do you do you know the top of your head (laughs) the entire marketing team is probably like approaching 50 they're not all you know teams like pmm and brand are not using you know tools like marketo but like probably 20 something okay uh, yeah that's definitely good amount of people using the tool sorry to cut you off geraldine it's just just to give people context of how many people you're supporting Yes, of course. So we have around, as men- as Amy mentioned, 20 individuals building in our system. So they're responsible from uh, building the campaigns themselves, making sure they are queuing and also working with the uh, our email marketer uh, to make sure that we have all the emails and everything's on brand. And then our team make, make sure that we're there to support any questions, that they have the right enablement and the documentation to be able to build on their own without hopefully much support from us. Uh, but you know that, that may not always be the case and we're more than happy to help them make sure that we're building everything as effectively as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that, I mean, that's the main thing that we're gonna talk about today is decentralized model. It can, you know, you're, you're giving the keys partially to the kingdom to folks to create their programs and that can really help scale programs, but also can have some interesting kind of enablement and training issues that maybe folks like haven't uncovered before because maybe they haven't rolled it out. So definitely what we want to dive into today. So to start, like when did the team decide to build out a decentralized campaign ops model and why? I know both of you had experience, different experiences uh, before joining Interval. So it'd be interesting to hear like, what was that kind of like tipping point that would be that decision? Yeah, the decentralized model actually predates both of us. Um, We had a VP of marketing who was really adamant that everyone needed to be able to be trained in all of the tools and everyone needed to be able to do the full scope of their job. Um, Mm. And, you know, we are a MarTech company. um, So we wanted people to be able to use our own tool as well as all the other tools in the tech stack. Um, And I think because we're a MarTech company, we, our marketers are fairly tech savvy. There's obviously a range, but, you know, Mm -hmm. um, 
they you know get it more maybe than people working in in other industries and also growth mindset is one of our values so that was you know an important thing to have that growth mindset um and it does also i think in some ways like when people execute their own campaigns they understand it and they appreciate it more um you know and it also gives some people potential ideas of maybe they would want to go into ops at some point because they've started to learn the tools and and that's something that they you know, uh, could be a growth path for them. Definitely. I've definitely seen that in the past where we've been able to even see people move on to marketing ops because they're like, well, I actually kind of like the building part of this. And I think it's really interesting. Um, and I want to kind of like learn more beyond that, um, and more of the operations. Um, so I, I definitely agree. It can open paths. And I think, this is actually super important, I think, right now where teams are maybe on hiring phrases. Um, they are trying to do more or less, but also potentially folks who are looking for kind of like some reskilling. So how can I expand like my skills so I can be more, um, I would say, like just necessary to the business? Because I think some folks are thinking, oh, okay, I don't, you know, I want to be self-sufficient enough or have a strong enough place in this company so that I don't lose my job, right? Like layoffs are pretty popular. And so I think that one of the benefits of the decentralized model is that someone, uh, you know, a marketer who maybe doesn't normally get that expertise does, and that can make them actually even more valuable. So I think I totally agree with that. Um, and then how did you set up the structure for the decentralized uh, campaign op. So um, we probably came in like most folks, there's maybe some documentation and some existing process, but how did you then take that and put kind of more structure? Um, assuming that when you joined too, Amy, that maybe the t the marketing team was also kind of growing at the time. Yeah. So I came in really at an inflection point when we just got in Marketo. Um, mm. They hired an agency to implement it. So I was really thrilled. I knew that that would be sort of set up cleanly, but it was still they gave people the keys to Marketo with very little training and it was like a little bit scary. Um, and <laughs> though, you know, I had to um, really train everyone, create new processes. Um, people were very eager, but they were very scrappy. And that was a mentality I had to work on for a long time because people mm. would just want to do things quickly, just get it done, figure it out. And when it's decentralized, you're constantly finding out that people are doing like random things in a really inefficient way. Maybe they're mm -hmm. like copying, pasting something where you're like, oh no, that I could integrate that for you in two seconds, you know, or um, just, uh, you know, and I think that's both, you know, when a company go is in a growth phase, you know, and you're a, you know, pre-IPO startup, you have to be really scrappy. And then at a certain point you have to implement processes um, and people, but people were very receptive. Like everyone was like super excited. They knew that we needed this change in our tech stack. They were really excited to have me come on. Um, so the first thing I did was just a ton of discovery. I sat down with every single team. I made a list of every single type of thing they were doing, webinars, events, gated content, et cetera. Um, and I really tried to understand, this is the same thing I would do centralized or decentralized, but understanding the big thing for me was understanding what are you doing and what are all the progression statuses? Like a webinar is easy. You've got like a registration, right. you've got attended, no show, on demand. 
but like events are going to be the most complicated and for like gated content, are you tracking ungated views and all this kind of stuff? And then I made very extensive documentation um, because, because I come from blood banking, I call them SOPs, standard operating procedures. <laughs> um, and everybody has adopted that. Um, it's just also easier to write than instructions or documentation when you're putting in a file name. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, it took probably like six months to get everyone like really on board with Marketo and then for me to back off and be able to do other parts of my job. Um, and then um, a year ago, we hired Geraldine. And now um, she, you know, maintains and supports the, the system that I set up. And Geraldine, do you maybe want to talk about kind of like how we train people and how you support the team? Yeah, of course. So we actually require all new hires to go through a training. Um, this includes going through the Marketo University, some of the courses, and then also some hands-on training with me before they actually even obtain access to Marketo. It is both self-learning, but also hands-on experience to make sure that they're really understanding a little bit more of our instance and how to use it before I actually give them their login to work in it. We also provide the very detailed SOPs that Amy created. That documentation is super helpful. There is one for each type of campaigns, and we want to make sure that every time they're using it, uh, you know, they have the right guidance. We do try to update them as we get some feedback from the team or processes change. We also host mm -hmm. office hours around two times a week. I try to make one in the early in the morning for Amy, a team, and then one in the afternoon to really allow for that time for uh, our marketing members to go into this uh, office hours and bring any questions, any specific programs that they were trying to build, and then I could help them. We do also have a Ask Mobs Slack channel where we manage our communication with the marketing team. Uh, this is a great opportunity for them to really ask questions. And we find that there might be multiple people with the same question. So having it visible to everyone is super crucial to making sure that they're really uh, sharing it. At the same time, when I am not able to answer it right away, you will find other marketers answering them. So it's great to know that they're really using the knowledge as they're building and also helping each other. Finally, we do have a ticketing system for requests on training and enablement and also just any complex campaigns. As you know, there might be some off cases where we're building something special and that would require more the actual build from Amy or I, depending on the campaign request itself. And I, I'll say the Ask Mops Slack channel has been really helpful. Um, and I really had to train people to use it, especially in the beginning. People would just always DM me and I would be like, go to Ask Mops, go to Ask Mops. And it actually really helped when I presented our marketing ops charter to um, the marketing team and our VP of marketing said, do not DM Amy put everything in the Ask Moss Slack channel. So getting that, you know, buy-in from the top, um, especially, you know, because when we, then we hired Geraldine, I wasn't the one person, but even now, you know, if Geraldine's out or if she's working on a big focus project, you know, I'll take over that. So, um, and then also, I mean, we all know the problem when you have a Slack DM and then you pull in somebody else and then you create another group DM and then you want to pull your <laughs> hair out. <laughs> yes. Totally. And I, but I, and I think Geraldine brings up a good point because a lot of the times you're getting similar questions and it's just having that 
channel or space where you could even just, you know, include the link to the past like thread where you've already even answered it before is like nice or being able to have other people answer the questions I think is key. Um, we, we kind of even do this with our own clients where we have like shared channels with the client and we say like no DMs to consultants. Like, like it's just a waste of, yeah, like you have to pull people in and so kind of waste the time and then you don't see that history as well. So I love that. I had a question, um, Amy and Geraldine, like for your uh, documentation, so for your um, your SOPs, which it's hard for me not to think of sales ops I when, I, <laughs> when I look at it, but um, uh, where is that hosted? Like, do you use like a certain tool? Do you have it on like your intranet? Uh, where do people find it? Yeah, we have um, we have an internet. We use a tool called Guru. I mean, my okay. my recommendation is use whatever your people are used to. Yeah. Um, for most of the things, we actually put it in a Google Doc and then link that to the, a Guru card, just because mm-hmm. it's a little bit easier to build longer instructions right. in a Google Doc and manage it that way. And you can have commenting and that kind of stuff. Um, but shorter stuff, we'll just put directly in Guru. Um, but yeah, my like make it as easy as possible where people are used to looking, um, you know, so if you have, you know, Confluence, I think is the Atlassian tool, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. slab, whatever people use, um, to go, to go to is the place that you should say that because then your whole company has the mantra of, did you check for a guru card? Did you check guru? And there's like, you know, that centralized place. Totally. Yeah. We, we use guru internally at CS2 for, our own documentation and like we do build things out in uh you know google docs and stuff like that um but the benefit too like you have a slack channel we have uh, we integrate a questions for the team where we're asking each other questions but we integrate it with guru so if you want to you can do a search within guru first to make sure that the thing you're asking for might have some related uh articles or cards. So there's some cool yeah. things you can do there. But I agree with you of like, pick, don't pick a brand new thing, you know, select the, select the tool that everyone's already used to using and going to. It's really key, I think. Okay. So now we want to talk about training and enablement, which I know Geraldine, you kind of, uh, we've talked through that, how it works. So the training enable site is one piece, but actually like going into it, like, how does it being decentralized actually work? Um, And I have some questions too, like who does QA and things like that. But maybe to start, Geraldine, you can talk about how, like, what do you like first about decentralized model and what like really works for the team? Like what actually really helps you in marketing ops too um, that you think are the true benefits of a decentralized model? I think the most important part is that it does allow marketers to be self-sufficient and to learn new skills. I have seen in the past where someone enjoys campaign ops so much that they decide to transition into marketing ops, which is great. Um, It also gives us the ability to marketers on a glimpse of the value of marketing ops. They're more empathetic Mm -hmm. when they actually are building themselves and understand the importance of processes and infrastructure and how you have to make sure you QA because you could accidentally send a mistake in an email that might be super crucial um, if you hadn't actually been able to look at it. And it does give them visibility to that 
backend world that they may not necessarily be used to or have not been exposed to in the past. And then your second question was around what works in terms of within iterable. Uh, it, it works that the team has a really uh, great uh, growth mindset in the sense that they're all willing mm -hmm. to really jump in and to learn. And not, there isn't really any pushback on their end on being able to really understand the actual building and being able to use their documentation. We make sure that they are always exposed to it and that we're referencing it no matter what question we're answering so that they always have that as guidance. So it, it is very crucial to have a team that's willing to, to actually build campaigns because it, it can be a little hard and not everyone enjoys it. So it's important to make yeah. sure that the marketers are willing to do the work themselves and that they understand the value mm -hmm. in it. So when a marketer is building, that means that they are able to take the campaign from beginning to end. And instead of having to go through another person to be able to help them kind of get it out. Um, and they're also more aware of the actual deadlines as they're working. Um, if I'm the one building the campaign, you may not give me the actual material I need to build it until maybe like two or three days before it's launched. But when a marketer is actually building themselves, they're a little bit more conscious of the time they need to build before they're actually mm -hmm. launching the campaign itself. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then Amy, from your side, what do you like about the decentralized model and anything else to add on why you think it has worked so far Yeah, or, I mean, what, or when it works? <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, like I said, that growth mindset, people wanting to take on new challenges and, and being eager. Um, I think, you know, again, being in a company where marketing ops is valued, um, I think also yeah. In some ways, a lot of our like tool ownership is somewhat decentralized. Like for example, mm. like the enterprise marketing team owns our direct mail tools. I understand how they work. I did the integration. I make sure the data flows back and forth, but they're the ones who are setting up the campaigns. They're the ones owning the relationship with the vendor. They're the ones training the end users. Um, mm. So, you know, it's they're, they're eager to, to just, you know, kind of own it end to end. And also, you know, it allows people to move more quickly. They don't have to wait in a queue for, you know, when you have centralized and you have SLAs, you might like the campaign ops person might be working on one thing and doesn't have time to work on the thing that you want them to work on. Yeah. Um, you know, and it also means that if you wait until the last minute to, to do something, it's, it's, that's, that only affects you. It does not affect my team. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. I think that, um, that that kind of helps you don't end up with this like last mile baton problem. Yeah. How much of like your leadership plays a role in ensuring this is successful too? Because I know sometimes I've even seen decentralized models roll out, but then the managers of their team will then actually be like, or leaders will sometimes be hesitant because they don't realize the benefits or they don't feel like they feel like that should be something their marketers are, it's like taking too much time off their plate. But uh, it sounds like from iterable side, yeah. it sounds like from leadership side, they really see like want that. And it, it sounds like you're even maybe hiring uh, marketers who are tech savvy and can be self-sufficient. Is that even part of like how they hire and look for marketers too? 
Um, you know, I'm not on the hiring side of the marketing team, so I can't speak to that specifically, but I think, again, I'm sorry to keep like harping on growth mindset, but I just think it's like really important because if you hire people who are like eager to learn and want Mm -hmm. to grow and want to try new things, that's, you know, that, uh, that's going to get them really far. Um, but yeah, the, the, the marketing team definitely, the marketing leaders, they like it being decentralized because of the speed and the agility, I think is what, um, you know, uh, is, is a big benefit for them. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about maybe what doesn't work or really has pressure tested your decentralized model. What are some of the things that you're finding some pain points with now? Um, well, it gives me horrible anxiety. (laughs) I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, I think what's really hard is not just not knowing what's going on. So Mm -hmm. not knowing if something's not set up correctly, if somebody forgets to sync your Salesforce campaign members or, you know, doesn't follow the instructions and things aren't working and then just kind of not knowing. Um, I think the other thing that's really hard is we've set up this center of excellence and these program templates and training based on my understanding and Geraldine's understanding of what the team is doing. But then often they are trying new things and nobody says, Hey, can we have a meeting about this? We want to execute this new type of campaign. So they're trying to shoehorn one campaign type into another and running into issues. And that's really Mm -hmm. hard. Um, The other thing is, so again, it's, if they want to stay up late and finish something at the last minute, like, great. That's their problem. But when they run into issues and they're like, I'm trying to get this out the door and they like need help at the last minute because they're, I mean, we all, all Marketo users know about Salesforce campaign sync errors. So all of a sudden, mm-hmm. Hey, I did this list upload and the members aren't syncing over. I need to hand this over to sales now, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm running into this issue and I need to get this webinar out tomorrow and registrants aren't syncing from the webinar provider, that kind of stuff. Then that we have to, you know, drop everything and help them. And that can be really hard. Um, And I think, um, you know, as uh, I think the other thing, I wouldn't say this doesn't work, but I guess I should give the caveat that there are some things that are centralized. So Mm. complex campaign builds should not be decentralized. So our conference series, um, Activate, which by the way, is happening in September in San Francisco, if anybody would like to join. Um, We... um, that's all done by my, by an agency and myself. So like every year the program is different. We've used four or five different tools. So they, they have, we had, you know, the agency did all the integration. They're dealing with all the data, making sure everything's in sync from the system event platform to Marketo to Salesforce, you know, we're helping with the reporting and all that kind of stuff. Like that needs to be centralized because you need somebody who's really an expert in the systems to be owning that. Um, and I'm totally okay with that. Like that's, you know, um, that's not, you should really only decentralize stuff. That's very routine. Yeah. What about for you, Geraldine? Well, I agree on the anxiety. I do think a decentralized model can provide a lot of anxiety for, for us. Uh, but it also opens room. I have a for... question, actually, Geraldine. Do you, yeah. Do you and Jeanette do any QA? Like, is there a certain period of time where, like, you all have to do final QA, or is it still just more like we're just here to answer questions or deal with issues, and they're still just launching things, even if it doesn't have Mops QA? It's it's definitely um, 
in the sense that we're not actually doing QA on our end. We are okay. the marketing team is supposed to use each other as the QA, the final right. person who reviews it. We are not supporting it right now, but we do get cases where um, there needs to, for some reason, be uh, urgent help from either me or Amy on a campaign before it goes out. And it tends to do more with mm -hmm. errors than, than actually with the QAing. And, and that kind of has been happening yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I would say um, like also, especially with like email audiences, they'll ask for our help. Like, right. I totally get it. It's hard to like know which field or like this, these numbers look off, that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. We do have like way too many duplicate um, fields. <laughs> so it makes sense that they always don't want to double check or have one of us to uh, make sure that the smart list itself is built correctly. And that's definitely more common on, on the team. Yeah, but going, yeah, I can definitely back, see that. But going back to your question on what doesn't work, I do think that a decentralized model opens room for more human error, uh, which then means mm -hmm. more time for our team troubleshooting and cleaning um, whatever was caused and, and making sure that the campaign is successful. It is very hard to execute a decentralized model as the company grows. It may be much more manageable mm. within a smaller company since you'll have less IC building. And that means that you might actually be able to really focus on that training and enabling them. But when you have a bigger company, you need to consider how executing campaigns is really only a small portion of a marketer's day. They have a lot more to focus on, so it means they may not necessarily be uh, paying too much attention to detail or really specializing it, which is totally that valid. But in campaign execution, uh, being attentive and QAing is super crucial to making sure that you're not mm -hmm. uh, sending out either incorrect emails or not building the campaign itself successfully. I've found it's definitely harder to to maintain um, when you're training more than five people, um, since that means that mm. now you have to consider supporting and you know the multiple areas that a person will need more uh, support and can defer. Everyone works differently. Some individuals prefer training on visuals, hands on, versus others who are just able to read a document and just reflected. Um, we also hope that marketers are using the documentation as they build. But like many of us, they might get very confident and stop using the documentation. And that itself continues to open more room for error as uh, a campaign has many different steps that uh, can be easy to miss. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's funny, Geraldine, that reminds me. Um, there was an issue where, where there was a campaign error and we had a retro. It was me and the campaign manager and her boss. And I said, well, you know, I was like, explain, tell me your process and how you, how you, you know, what happened? Cause you know, how'd you miss this step? It's right here in that. I'm thinking like, how did you miss this? Right in the SOPs. And she was like, oh, well, like I figured like once I've done it a few times, like I'm trying to do it by memory, just kind of like with Google maps, like you use Google maps to get there the first time, but then you're like trying to use your brain. And I was like, oh no, 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 no. Like you should use SOPs every single time. And she's like, yeah, but some of them are like 10 pages long. So what I actually started doing is adding at the top, 
uh, like a quick snapshot that's like, if you've done this a few times, here's just the steps sort of abbreviated and like half mm. a page. So it's more like a checklist of like, yeah. do this, do this, do this rather than, and then if you're like, oh, I can't remember how to do this, then you can jump down and find it. But I, I find that that's been really helpful, decentralized or centralized. And like, I always tell people, like, even when I was doing, you know, like 50 webinars a year or something, like I still followed my instructions every single time when I did it. Again, it was at that point just became like a checklist, but you totally. have to follow. You can't trust. You just know, you know, if, if a four-time Marketo champion follows instructions every, every time, <laughs> everybody should. Totally. Same thing with our, our we, ha, we don't have a huge campaign ops team at CS2 because not a big part of our business, but the team that does do like the execution, they have we call them QA checklists, but really it's just at the end of the day, like, did this get done? Did this get done? Da, 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 da. And having that checklist, like they still look at it just to make sure because, uh, and each client and setup is different, but like, uh, it can just be super helpful, um, just to ensure, right? Like ca campaign operations or when things, there's so many things that have to happen the right way. Uh, it, it's like building integration. Like you have to ensure like every step is followed, you know? So I agree. Like uh, we have to put our egos uh, to the side and, and stick to the documentation. But um, so I'm hearing a little bit of kind of like, you know, what doesn't work. And I'm sure you're kind of getting some of those uh, maybe, maybe similarly getting those pains uh, with having a decentralized model. Um, how I think for folks, um, how do you know when the model isn't working? Just like quickly, like what are some things like uh, Geraldine, like just a few things that you think if, if, if they're built, if they already have decentralized model, or they built it out, what are a few kind of signals or signs that maybe it's, it's time to rethink it. I think it could differ from company to company, but there are some key uh, common areas to really keep an eye out for. That includes having the similar errors occurring frequently. So if you're fixing the same error multiple times a week, a monthly, definitely keep those in mind. Uh, the number of executors have grown significantly. Have you gone from three to 10 to 15? Are you able to support that within your team? Yeah. Um, and then also spending, when you're spending more time fixing the errors than the actual build. So keep in mind, if you were building this yourself, is it going to take you 30 an hour to build? And how, how long is the troubleshooting? Is the troubleshooting being two hours, an hour and a half? As you know, like a list upload error can take a really long time to fix when you have a lot of data and you need to go and correct it. So is it taking longer on your end to fix the errors than the actual build itself? Yeah, essentially, like, is is the juice worth the squeeze anymore? Because really decentralizes to me to save time for the marketing ops team. But if it's really creating just like sucking up all of that time that you thought was going to be saved, I agree. Like, it's probably worth like revisiting. Is this right? So, so that leads me to like, where where is Arable at? Are you guys going to stay decentralized? Or are you thinking about going centralized? What's the plan moving forward? We are actually working this quarter to move our uh, decentralized model to a centralized model, um, which is, is definitely a really a project we're really excited about. And we have great 
support from our marketing team and our leads, our marketing leads. Um, we are outlining this project in a few different phases. So starting with the discovery, auditing the current model in the sense of how our marketers building, making sure we understand their process instead of understand or instead of assuming that we know exactly how they're building. Uh, followed by evaluating the different models. Are we going to go with an in-house centralized model? Are we going to outsource the model itself? Are we using a hybrid? There's also a few tools mm. that you can use to centralize uh, campaign operations. So that's also something we're going to consider as we create a proposal of the different types of model that we can move forward and making sure we have that uh, buy-in from the marketing needs and collectively deciding on what makes more sense for the business and the team. The uh, final two phases are creating SLAs and documentation. With a centralized model, mm -hmm. uh, time is super important. Uh, how long does a person need to build a campaign? How long beforehand should they have that request? making sure we have that built out and very well documented. And then finally training, whether it's internal resources or a, an agency, um, there's going to definitely be a lot of training that needs to be done for us to move into a centralized model. Definitely. Um, well, I, and I think this is interesting just for folks to hear too, because decentralized has its pros. I can definitely work for some smaller teams, but also if you need to move to a centralized model and that could even like, I, I, it's interesting how you said in-house centralized, out, how, outsource centralized, hybrid, those are all things that people need to take into consideration. I think a lot of times they just think, oh, centralized just means taking it all back. And it's like, well, you, you can figure out like, is there an in-between? Should you try hybrid for a while? Like if there's not too many errors, but you still need some QA or then can you use an outsource? So like, do you not want to then have that burden still on your ops team, but do you want to just kind of use an agency to do that? Um, so I think marketers really think about resources. And so that's, that's the last question I want to focus on because I know we're running out of time, but um, maybe hear from you, Amy, what are some of the things to know if um, folks are thinking they want to use a centralized model instead? Like what are some of the resources or things they need to think about? I mean, I think a lot of the stuff is the same between you need a center of excellence, you know, including documentation, you know, if you have a tool like Marketo that has program templates, um, you know, your your um, submission process and the forms or documentation that you use from that, you absolutely need buy-in from stakeholders, especially on SLAs. And I think as an mm. ops team, we're always thinking about like, what would be best for us? But actually the way you sell it is figuring out why it would be best for them. Whichever model you're moving to, you know, on your marketing team doesn't actually care about your time and resources. Like, Yes, they're nice. I'm sure they're nice people and they're empathetic, but like <laughs> they want to know what's in it for them. So figure out how to sell it, um, sell it to them. Um, but, you know, it does let marketers be marketers and free up their time. Um, it can um, sacrifice speed for quality, depending upon the bandwidth of your campaign ops team. But then it means that the marketers actually are able to do things a little earlier because they don't have to worry about, you know, setting it up in the systems. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, it's a really great learning path for people who, um, who want to get into ops. 
Um, and those people might even like suggest process improvements and make, make things even better. Geraldine, what about yourself? What do you, what do you think the pros and cons are? The most important part of a centralized model that I'd say to keep in mind is enablement. So there's going to definitely be a lot of enablement, whether it's in-house, outsource, or, or, or whatnot. Um, one thing to definitely keep in mind is making sure that you have a clear understanding on who's executing, um, is it marking ops, and making sure that there are that very specific LLAs that you are uh, giving the team. You need to also keep an account, last minute requests, and what an exception. Once you start making an exception for one request, you might get a second, then a third, then a fourth. So you want to make sure that when you have a centralized model that you really are considering what the exceptions are and that you enforce that process as much as you can. Mm -hmm. And another thing to keep in mind is that uh, marketers will now need to go through a step um, before a campaign itself is executed. So now they have to go through an individual to before the building. That could be a pro or a con, depending on who's looking on it. Definitely a pro in marketing ops, since there is that uh, QA uh, that you, you are really considering, but maybe a con for marketing, since it means uh, another step, another process they have to follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think... Um... Some some companies, we have one client that we support and they kind of have a little bit of a hybrid model, but they were decentralized. But then they also give some marketers the option of, do you want a longer SLA or do you want to own more of the build yourself? And then we'll actually do the QA, but it's a shorter SLA. And so they've, they've kind of done a little bit of like a hybrid slash like self-serve <laughs> um, enabled model where they can kind of do a little bit of both. So that's another thing maybe folks, if you're thinking about, okay, maybe I do have some marketers who are really savvy and maybe want some, like want to be able to own part of the process, but then also that means that that you could prioritize their programs because all you're doing is QAing or reviewing it first and and then rolling with it instead of doing all of the build. So I feel like that could be, but to your point, like I think really thinking about who's doing it and then also thinking through the steps, like making it clear of like what are the steps, the SLAs, the request process, what does that all look like? So everyone's kind of well aware and then <laughs> sticking to process. But um, anyway, this has been an amazing conversation. I could probably go on for another hour <laughs> uh, with you both. Um, so thank you so much for sharing um, your tips. And maybe we'll have to do a follow-up. Once you roll out your centralized model, we'll have to go back and revisit this. <laughs> That'd be great. Thank you so much for having us, Chrissy. This has been great. Awesome. Well, for those of you who are interested in um, learning more about iterable, you can check out iterable.com. Also, um, marketingopsadvice.com, which is Amy's website. And then um, I'll be linking to both Amy and Geraldine's LinkedIn profiles in the show notes if you want to connect with them on LinkedIn. So if you enjoy this episode of Forward Thinking, feel free to share it with a colleague or friend or leave us a review. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.